When you partner with Axon, you immediately gain access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. We carry all major brands and sizes of tires and wheels. We specialize in large diameter wheels for large equipment. We have one of the largest OEM replacement wheel inventories in North America. Known for extreme flotation setups, duals, and triples, we have wheels for all makes and models of tractors, sprayers, combines, and grain carts. If we don't have the wheel in stock, we'll custom build, sandblast, and paint in-house. There isn't a more vast inventory in North America dedicated to helping dealers move more iron. With facilities on the West Coast and in the heart of the Midwest, leverage our 230,000 square feet of indoor inventory to solve any problem a grower may have. Move more iron with Axon. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Podcast markets with Sean Hackett. Sean Hackett is with Hackett Financial out of Boca Raton, Florida. He's nice enough to come on and talk about what's happening in the marketplace. So, Sean, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing good, Casey. Really, really good. Good, man. Okay, so we're headed into day number three of the uh, Kansas Wheat Quality Tour. And the first two days were, were uh, I think, pretty much what people expected. I mean, there weren't, there, you know, drought conditions. Uh, freeze conditions, all those kind of things that play, took a toll on the wheat. You see there, uh, yesterday's results that kind of came through looked like something in the neighborhood of, um, my thing back up here, about 27 and a half bushels per acre. When they, with what they've done today, they're going to run from uh, Manhattan to Wichita and take a look. What see there, uh, the Oklahoma Wheat uh, Quality Board did, has done a similar tour here, and they were seeing, um, uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of what was it, forty-four and a half, forty and a four point nine, um, uh, down from sixty-eight point six million bushels. So um, from last year, same with this year here. Last year's number was right around thirty-seven bushels. So we're seeing about ten bushels an acre taken off on most places here. So I guess Sean, uh, not a big surprise here, but I guess your reaction, what you've seen so far of the wheat tour. 
Yeah, I mean, not really a big surprise. I mean, I think everyone has known that this crop's been in trouble for a long time. The market continues to trade, sometimes trades that, and other times trades Black Sea um, news flow or headlines. And so we got this extension of the corridor deal for another 60 days, and the speculators decided that was a reason to take the recent uh, newfound rally in the wheat complex and and hit it pretty hard yesterday and are hitting it hard again in the overnight trade. So, you know, that's the battle of, uh, you know, tight stocks uh, in uh, exporter hands, including the U.S. crop being poor, but uh, um, at the same time, Russia and, uh, you know, continuing to sell aggressively with and anyone who might have been buying, be thinking that the quarter deal would be, um, you know, would not be extended. You know, they're obviously selling today. So. Yeah. Yep. Um, looking at what we see happening here, some export stuff. I mean, our exports have been um, pretty much on par with what expectations would look like um, with the U.S. dollar strength-wise. I mean, is, is there anything there that's shocking you about, about our exports at all right now, Sean? Well, they're very weak. You know, yeah. I mean, Brazil has tons of soybeans and they're b below us. They're going to have tons of corn here. Uh, with a second crop corn harvest coming here in June and July. Um, so, you know, we have to get our prices to a level that we can effectively compete and get some some exports going in. Obviously, the ongoing cancellations of China's um, export commitments adds fuel to the fire. And, you know, demand we thought we had, we lost, and now we're trying to find <laughs> who's going to pick up the slack. Now, of course, they could be, you know, they're canceling $6 corn and maybe they're going to buy it back at four ninety. I mean, it doesn't mean they could, they, we could find out there have been a, next week, they're a big buyer this week. I mean, you know, they, they're very good physical traders in China. They play the rope of dope pretty well. And it wouldn't surprise me of what puts the low here in grain markets and corn and soybeans is that you, you find that they, you know, were able to trip the, the switch and knock the market down on these cancellations. But now they're going to come in when everybody wants to sell and buy a bunch of sub five dollar corn futures and buy it all back. You right. know, it almost I almost feel like we might be set up for that kind of a rope of dope from them. We've seen it before, and uh, you know, look, Chinese don't really care whether they hate us or love us or not. If, if the corn is a good deal from here, they'll buy it from us, and that's what the market is trying to find out: is where at what level um, are they and others saying, you know what, you guys have a pretty good deal and offer. We're uh, yeah, we'll give you some business, and that's what we're obviously trying to find out where, where that level is. But sub five dollar corn and sub twelve dollar soybeans, I think, will start to bring some of that demand back. You know, yet from now into the end of the month, we'll start to see some improvement. I do think we're starting to get ourselves, you know, clearly more competitive without a question. Yep. All right, last thing here, Sean, as you take a look at what's going on weather wise, you talked about um, this this kind of patch that we're in right now where there's a, a wetter, cooler system rolling across um, the much of the West and much of the Southeast or yeah, Southeast. And uh, there's that maybe a, a ridge uh, starting to develop over the I States and uh, Ohio river Valley in those areas there. Um, right now we're seeing some very cool temperatures uh, that, that are kind of associated with this cool weather we've seen. But if you take a look at the longer term uh, end of May going into June, you start seeing some, some long-term, um, uh, forecast showing some heat coming back in. Sean, as you take a look at that, and it's kind of fallen into what you've talked about here. Um, that last, you know, going into June, there could be some significant heat rolling in. 
Are you still feeling about the same way about that? And do you still see that happening as a scenario for us here? Just remember the forecast we made nine months ago and six months ago and three months ago was that we would have a very, very good planting season this year. It would have a good start with good moisture to start off the planting season. It would be drier with you know enough moisture to keep things going and allow for the crop to be planted uh, in fast fashion and to get you know to get emerged and in really good shape into the end of May. And that was one of the reasons that we felt that we would have an extremely negative period for grain markets heading into April and May. Um, and that's exactly what's happened. If you look at the weather pattern, if you look at moisture maps from April 1st through the end of the month, based upon 55 different weather model forecasts, and we look at all that and amalgamate the whole thing, our moisture deficits in the central eastern grain belt are going to be extremely wide. Now, that has not been an issue at all up to this point. It's actually been a good thing because it allows the crop to get in the ground and there's enough moisture to get it going. But if you bring the heat in now at the late, in the last week of May into the first part of June, um, and you have uh, only topsoil moisture um, available, you quickly get rid of that topsoil and the subsoil moisture underneath it is actually, you know, if you look at the soil moisture anomalies underneath it, it's pretty dry. So the setup is there for this to quickly go from a good situation to a bad situation. First of all, if the if that dry weather pattern that's been established in the spring continues into June, we think it will. But the key, as remember, we've talked about hot and dry is the key. Yeah. Cool yeah. and dry is not the key. So it is. I'm not. I'm not going to say it's encouraging because I don't ever want to see crop farmers have bad crops. What I'm saying is, if for those that are looking or asking us about our forecast for at least a June July drought for the corn market, it is an encouraging sign from that perspective that we're seeing heat arriving late May into early June, which is when you would expect to be see the first signs that we might be developing this warmer, hotter dome, that semi-permanent dome that gets you set up here. So what we're seeing right now is supportive that we are, you know, leaving the good uh, bearish period for planting season. We're going to plant the whole crop for the next couple of weeks outside of the Northern Plains. Um, and then we're going to move into June. Now, remember, June is not a critical month for corn yields or soybean yields. It is the setup month for corn yields and soybean yields, meaning there's been years we've had the hottest, driest June on record, and we had great crops. Nothing that happens in June can't be reversed if we have good July, August weather for corn and soybeans. So I, I want everyone to really understand June is not a critical month for crop um, yield determination, but it is a very critical month for setting the uh, climate template for what July and August could look like. I mean, we that's you're, you're setting up the weather pattern for what it's going to look like, and that's what we're going to be. You know, mantra we're going to be putting out a, a weather podcast here uh, later today for our subscribers that are going to go over the signpost that we're looking for. That's going to tell us that June is setting up for the hot, dry July that hurts pollination and you cannot recover from that. Uh, I don't know about August yet, Casey. It's really 
really too early for me to make a strong determination about August. August can be a very tricky month because as El Nino continues to develop over time and as the negative Pacific Decadal Oscillation gets less negative over time, there's greater and greater risks that we can see moisture come in in mid-late August and save the soybean crop. I need to get myself further into mid-late June to make a stronger determination on the August weather pattern. Right now, from where I'm staying today, I'm very comfortable with June, July into early August weather pattern from what I'm seeing, all the different metrics we've talked about on your show. you know, And, um, and so I think we have the ideal setup. We're getting everybody bearish. Oh, the grain deals extended. All oh, the safrina corn crops big. All oh, the planting is once great. Oh, El Nino's coming. It's going to be awesome weather. You know, three billion bushel carryouts. Oh, oh, you know, we're putting all this on, getting everybody short. Um, sub five dollar December corn. You know, you know, you you want to start to create panic in the farming community for farmers who haven't made sales yet. I mean, that's that's how you do it. Um, and so, so I feel the setup is really, really good that we're setting up this really coiled spring into the middle latter part of May, like we did in 2012, for a potential reversion up back up when, if the market feels that it's made a tactical error in this consensus view that this is going to be a perfect ideal growing season all throughout. Um, it may be that no one has a crystal ball perfectly, but the work that we have done says that the risks are far, far more on the side of a uh, drought pattern than it is for a cool, wet El Nino pattern. If people are looking for El Nino weather pattern, it's going to be the next crop cycle. Fall of 2023 to the fall of 2024 is when North America, South America actually has your El Nino weather teleconnections in the atmosphere. That's where we are particularly uh, worried or bearish about potential for some really big production, some really big ending stocks, um, and the potential for, you know, uh, p- putting supply surpluses in the system that we haven't seen really, uh, you know, since 2019, 20 was the last time. And so that's what we're worried about um, is if we're correct and we get a really solid, substantial, meaningful a weather-related rally here, uh, here into the summer. You know, we are going to be looking at when to pull the trigger on getting aggressive for selling 2024 sales. I mean, we want we we're going to be emboldened to make that call where we're actually going to say, not only do we should you be selling 23 crop, but we think you should be selling 24 crop, um, and substantially because that El Nino weather pattern teleconnection for next year is is extremely solid forecast. We can make that solid forecast already based upon historical precedent. So that's kind of the, the setup here. So what we think is the opportunity right now is, is for livestock producers to get short-term feed maybe into the fall to protect against a spike here. The bigger buying opportunity for livestock producers to buy feed would be next summer, uh, 24 summer, 2024 fall. And for producers who have aggressively sold already, if they have done that, uh, their 2023 a new crop, you know, there, there could be an opportunity to counter hedge those sales. Um, if, if uh, you know, if we get the right uh, technical pattern here in, and we get the right uh, uh, setup here for uh, whether it's going to June. So we have not yet pulled the trigger on that Casey, meaning we have not yet made that recommendation, but we're really getting to a point where we feel we're pretty close to, you know, getting comfortable with making that, but that's the setup. That's what we see. 
We don't, we, nothing has really changed. And we were anticipating this negative period for, for, for grain markets, corn and soybeans, especially. In fact, last week's uh, report that we put out, you know, we were projecting and suggesting we'd see sub $5 corn and sub $12 soybeans this week. So nothing's happening uh, at all that we weren't anticipating or haven't been talking about for a while. Um, I just think producers are still surprised that it actually happened, you know? Yep. yep. Okay. All right, Sean. <clears throat> Good stuff as usual. Folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what you're doing over at Hackett Financial. What's the best way to do that? Our website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. We have a Twitter page, Faradex11. We also have a LinkedIn page that you can look at. And from time to time, we post interviews with you and others that go over these cycles and statistics and some of the fundamental work that we do and capital flows work that we do to make our recommendations so that our producers and livestock and users can, you know, maximize their income on the, on the farm. So, okay. All right, Sean, appreciate you being on the podcast, man. Thanks, Casey. Always a pleasure. Right on. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC, LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast, and go to the YouTube channel, which is the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. Get everything Moving Iron related at MovingIronLLC.com. Get all the information from Moving Iron Summit coming up here in Nashville, Tennessee, September 11th through the 13th. Uh, all the information is there and how to register and hotel stuff and all that stuff's right there on the Moving Iron website. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour with Sean Hackett. It's going to be fine, folks. Out. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. No matter how you buy your ag equipment, whether it's from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. TractorZoom has access to over $20 billion in heavy equipment sales data. TractorZoom's Iron Comps is the industry's trusted solution for transparent equipment values and auctionable pricing insights. This podcast is brought to you by Anvil AppWorks. The Dealer Connect CRMI app with integrated inventory management is an affordable Salesforce-based solution for your dealership. Create connected customer experience and transform how you work. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving on